0: Hello, I'm Andrew Gentile.
1: And I'm Ariana.
0: and you're listening to "Behind the Flicks." This show is all about me sharing as many facts as I know about filmmaking and directors, and behind-the-scenes info about movies and whatnot to Ariana. And you'll join us for the ride. Ariana, can we get a review of this episode's film?
1: A review of this episode's film. It's a very famous film. Everybody knows this film. I did not watch it until this year. I've attempted, say attempted because there's been some pockets where I tried to watch it and my head hits the pillow and I can't focus on it. Twice now for Monty Python and the Holy Grail.
0: You do have to be in a specific specific mood to watch this movie.
1: Yeah, it may have been my fault for watching it like after a work day or something. In a nutshell, uh, this movie is um, about King Arthur and his Knights of the Round Table going on a mission to find the Holy Grail as was put on them by God himself which is like King God, because he appears in the sky with just a head and a big beard and a wonderful crown, telling them that this is their life's mission to find this Holy Grail. And they go on all of these adventures and find all these interesting people that try to help them along their way. But really what just ends up happening is they um, basically just get messed with left and right and fooled and disrespected as king and the court every chance they get. And it's just ridiculous and and, and hilarious, apparently. Apparently. Uh,
0: apparently. That that, uh, that that does not bode well for the grade, which <laughs> you will give right now.
1: Oh man. <sighs> I,
0: Personally, I I I I, I, <laughs> I I know it's an acquired taste, so you can be honest.
1: Maybe third time's the charm. <laughs> but this movie for me was probably like a solid D. <laughs> <laughs> no D minus or D plus. <laughs> wow. All
0: right. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. It's, no, no, no. It's okay. It's okay.
1: I mean, I'm a little hurt. I'm a little hurt. Well, you know, um viewers would not take it with a grain of salt because satire is not my genre. There's very few that I like and can focus on because I'm maybe a bit of a of a simpleton when it comes to movies. I like things to be straightforward, I like things to be super honest, and satires are like brutally honest in a really obscure way, and um. It's just, it's hard for me to sit down and watch a satire, even if it's really good. And so this one is pro like, the writing in this is probably better than others. I'm wondering how much of it is improvised, because it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> if any of it is improvised, maybe Andrew will tell us.
0: I can speak to we? that, yeah. I can yes, definitely okay, speak to good. that. Yes, okay, good,
1: because I'm dying to know how much of these conversations were like in the moment, because they feel very in the moment, and um absurd but it was just it was hard to follow and not to stay focused on because there is no really hunt for the holy grail i mean spoiler alert can i spoil it for yeah people? Go, go ahead go ahead they don't find the holy grail they don't even come close to finding the holy grail
0: they all get arrested at the end you know uh if i could give my take on this film uh, yes, please. My, I'm my, dying to know. My little you. my little review of this film. You, you know, Star, Star Wars and Indiana Jones were the movies that made me fall in love with movies that made me that piqued my interest. My Python, The Holy Grail, was the movie where I thought, oh, I can make a movie. Yeah. Um, I I just have to be a good writer, and um, and of course it turns out the movie this movie was hell to make. So yeah, this is the movie that made me feel like I could be a filmmaker. Uh, because it just made me think, oh, the writing is so good, and it seems so simple. Uh, just coming up... With, it, it seems so obvious. Just write great stuff. It, it'll all follow suit. That being said, this movie was hell to make, uh, which we'll go over later. So I hold this movie in very high esteem, because this, this movie is very close to my heart, and it also, uh, it also... It also helped fuel my love of movies, and also... I I think the Pythons the comedy troupe uh which, whose members we'll uh, discuss later are uh brilliant brilliant brilliant. And so you know I, I I can see a D but uh you know I I respectfully disagree <laughs> but uh yeah. but uh, you know what you know different strokes are different folks, you know?
1: Yeah. Okay. As if you were to break this movie into categories, say like um like writing, directing, and acting, what grade would you give each of those categories?
0: well writing a plus yeah, writing a plus um directing um it, it, it's pretty close to a, if not a maybe like a solid a minus okay I give it uh the acting uh a plus
1: <laughs> so this is an A plus. A,
0: it's an A film for me. It's an A film for me. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) uh, This might be the widest dichotomy we've ever had. (laughs) No, which is fine. Which is fine. Um, Well, I think
1: I'm just being pretty harsh on it because I wasn't interested. Okay. Like, didn't captivate me. Right. But you know, if I were to sit there and pick apart the scenes, like from a filmmaker's perspective, I, I might be right there with you because it's not necessarily poorly made maybe i just didn't like it very much
0: that's fair that's fair yeah okay so let's let's be fair fair to you and fair to the movie if you could change anything in the movie what would you change and what what was what did you like about the movie that you would like to see more of
1: i feel like i would cut out like one or two of the side quests that happened because there's just so many of them and they don't last very long and it makes it for me and you know my like Slow down, kind of absorption of movies, like feel feel a little jarred. So maybe like um, either the like old man scene or like the uh, like the women scene that happens when they go into the house of like the siren ladies. Like maybe those could have been done without. But I don't know. I I did kind of like the old man. Maybe the cave.
0: Okay. So Just, what? So you what know. you're saying is streamline it.
1: Yeah, streamline a little bit. Spend more time on the the long term joke instead of the individual ones.
0: <laughs> spend more time on the on the uh, quest for the gorilla as opposed to uh, the individual characters and their uh, particular dilemmas. Yeah. Was there any bit in the movie that you really liked?
1: I did like everything with the French guy because their yeah. conversations were hilarious. Yeah. Um, and I also liked um, the moments where. <laughs> In the beginning, when King Arthur was like, "I'm the king and of all the Britons," blah blah, blah and everyone was like, "Who are you? I don't care." <laughs> <laughs> I could understand why that couldn't be a part of the movie too much, cause it would get old. But yeah. it, it was so perfect where it was. Right. Like I just I wanted to see more moments like that where your things are, should be going a certain way because he's king, and it just doesn't happen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think you are? <laughs> uh, well, I am your king. King, eh? I didn't vote for you. You ready for the facts?
1: Yes, please.
0: After they ended their legendary British television series, Monty Python's Flying Circus, the comedy troupe known as Monty Python made their feature film debut in 1971's And Now for Something Completely Different. Essentially, And Now for Something Completely Different was composed of versions of some of their best sketches that were originally made for TV and then were refilmed for the big screen. The members of Monty Python were Graham Chapman, John Cleese, Eric Idle, Michael Palin, Terry Jones, and Terry Gilliam, with Gilliam creating animations for their show. And now for something completely different was not a happy experience for the comedy team, not only because of its underperformance at the box office, but also because they did not have creative control. For their next big screen outing, it was agreed within the group that anyone named Terry would direct. This agreement would later cause trouble down the line, but more on that later. Uh, That
1: anyone named Terry would direct?
0: Yeah, Terry Jones and Terry Gilliam. Oh, okay. So while writing the screenplay for for any of their work, uh, the Pythons were very rigorous. Like, uh, famously, they did very little improvisation. So, um, for example, in their TV series, they had like one sketch that was improvised. In this movie, there were, the one little bit that was improvised was when, uh, in the Bring Out Your Dead sequence, you know, when, when the guy's going, Bring out your dead! Yeah. Um, the, uh, the only improvised part of that movie is when uh, King Arthur passes. Eric Idle, who's playing the guy who's, uh, bring, who's carrying the dead, and like a wheelbarrow says he must be a king and John Cleese says why and and uh, Eric Idle says because he doesn't have shit all over him yeah <laughs> that's the one line that was improvised in the entire movie
1: Wow yeah Wow yeah that is impressive yeah that is impressive because the writing I mean the conversations are so quick and precise mm-hmm. <laughs> and like to the point where you think that maybe it was banter yeah. You know, that's kind of made up in the moment because it's, it's, it's hard to make something that quick and precise and natural at the same time. Yeah. And they accomplished that. I'd say they accomplished that.
0: They were just brilliant at writing and uh, yeah. brilliant at perform- performers. Yeah. Um, but there are many problems that plagued the film. For starters, after they wrote the screenplay for Monty Python, The Holy Grail, the group needed to raise money to fund the project. However, because they had already made a film, the idea of another Monty Python film was not appealing to film investors. Uh, they went to alternative sources of financing, rock bands, among them Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd, who invested in the film.
1: Uh, nice. That's something kind of cool.
0: Well, uh, it gave them a lot of career freedom because rock bands aren't going to look at the script. Rock bands no. aren't going to demand cuts for the to see like, oh, we need you to change this, we need you to change that. Rock, They're just going to... Back in the 70s, they're not going to care. Yeah. Um, So that was the upside. The downside was that because they were using alternative sources of financing, their budget was extremely low. Uh, So much so, in fact, that the famous gag of the knights using coconuts to imitate sound of them riding on horses uh, was written because the film could not afford more than one horse.
1: Oh my gosh, it's such a present part of the film. Like, yes. You can't imagine it without that.
0: Speaking of budgetary limitations, due to the film's budget, all of the chain mail, which was part of the costume by the knights and various guards, was actually wool. In much of the film, the knights traveled through mud, rain, and other elements of nature, which later led Eric Idle to quip that, during filming, quote, you could tell what time of day it was by how far up your legs the damp had penetrated, end quote. Uh-huh. <laughs> they suffered for their art.
1: Oh dang! Well, at least they made it look pretty good.
0: <laughs> it it looks like real chainmail. Yeah. That they had a good costume designer.
1: Was it really filmed where it says it was filmed in the beginning?
0: It was filmed in Scotland.
1: Yeah. Wow. I did. I did have to give that one major props because for a movie like this, you don't really expect it to be like on location like that and have it be so. I mean, it. What I wouldn't call it like. It was crazy beautiful, but you could tell that they were in a natural space.
0: They put a lot of work into it, yeah. uh, and, and, and uh, you led me beautifully into my next fact. Okay. Before filming began, the castle locations were picked out, all of which were, as we mentioned, in Scotland. However, one to two weeks before filming began, the Scottish government informed the production crew that they were not allowed to film at any of the public castles due to the Python's infamous antics which the government considered, quote, inconsistent with the dignity of the fabric of the buildings, end quote. So the production crew scrambled to find locations. They ended up finding one castle called Dune Castle, which stood in for most, for most of the various castles depicted in the file film, ranging from Camelot to Castle Anthrax. So, like, other than that, like, island castle, pretty much all the castles in the film, are that one castle?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I wondered about that because I see uh, it. Look, I mean, you can pretty much tell. I mean, they do it from different angles, different dis- distances, and whatnot. But I'm like, is that the same castle? Is this part of the gag <laughs> that it's it works. the same place? It does work. Yeah. And I really like the moment where <laughs> they are like, "Okay, come back to Camelot," and they have the singing sequence, and they go. Mm, Let's not go to Camelot. It's weird. <laughs> Tis a silly place.
0: <laughs> Tis a silly place, yeah. <laughs>
1: oh, I thought that was brilliant.
0: I, I love, speaking of the French guards earlier, I love that uh, my favorite part, the, the taunting's awesome, but yes. my favorite part of that entire sequence is charge, and they just charge at the, at the castle itself. Like, wh- yeah. what's, what's the plan? <laughs> yeah, I thought about that is, too. <laughs> Another problem during the making of the film was the clash of directing styles between Terry Jones and Terry Gilliam. While Terry Jones was more focused on the actors, Terry Gilliam was more focused on the visuals of the film. These differences in style led to conflicts within the cast and crew.
1: And that causes conflict because...
0: Oh, because um, like one, one director would say one thing in the morning and then the other director would come along later in the day and say, no, change that. You know.
1: Uh, aye, aye, aye.
0: Yeah. Perhaps the most troubling issue during the production of Monty Python, The Holy Grail... Was star Graham Chapman's alcoholism. At the height of his alcoholism, Chapman, who played King Arthur, drank, by his own account, the equivalent of four pints of gin a day.
1: Wow. Yeah. Whew, that's a lot of alcohol. Yeah. So, does that mean he's drunk for like pretty much this whole movie?
0: Yes. He is drunk the entire movie, pretty much. Oh, man. <laughs> or, go, or going through withdrawals, or both. Yeah. Uh, his alcoholism frequently led to him forgetting his lines, going on angry tirades, and on the day of filming the Bridge of Death sequence, made him unable to walk across the bridge. In the final film, it is the assistant director who walks across the bridge in King Arthur's costume. Wow. Yeah.
1: Oh, Chapman. Oh, Chapman. Couldn't imagine that. Like, you, if as a person that's trying to direct someone... Or, yeah. like, just work with them, and they're basically, like, halfway drunk or feeling miserable the entire production. I, ca- I can't production. even imagine it. Ugh. The tense. Like, there was never a calm day on set. No. time. No. Because he's in every scene, almost.
0: <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Like, in between this movie and the next movie he did, he uh, went to rehab. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was told afterwards that uh, if you ever uh, drink again... Uh, that he'd be dead within two years. So in the end, Monty Python the Holy Grail was a smash success, was the number one film for weeks in America, and is now ranked as one of the funniest comedies ever made. Reportedly it was even Elvis Presley's favorite film. Wow. Yeah. Fun fun little fact. Yeah. At Monty Python the Holy Grail's New York premiere, a journalist asked, So what's your f- next movie? And Eric Otto replied Jesus Christ lust for Glory. This answer sparked the idea for the troupe's next film, the biblical comedy, Monty Python's Life of Brian. (laughs) So, Ariana, final thoughts on Monty Python, The Holy Grail?
1: I mean, you gotta... There's something special about it, because let's be real, it's almost 50 years old now. And everybody in my age group... Especially if their guy has seen it and loves it. I mean, I wouldn't this be surprised if, the, if our generation's kids are watching it and loving it still. And so, like, you gotta give it some props. It's, it's probably gonna be... It's already feeling pretty timeless in its own way for people that are into these kind of films. Because you're right, the writing is, like, it's legit. And it's very hard to do. Not, not, move, not a whole lot of movies nowadays, comedy or otherwise have natural banter like that that's written a lot of it i feel like nowadays is improvised you know we have so many talented improvised actors that go to the big screen that help give that feel to the audience and to write it as good as they did it's like i gotta give it props like though it's a c it's a c i give it you're, you're giving it a c now talking it through talking it through it's a c it is solid okay <laughs>
0: you, you, you don't have to change it you, just, you no, don't have it des- to
1: it deserves it you gotta give credit where credit's due okay it's pretty good and I, like I said maybe third time's a charm a cup of coffee first thing in the morning I need a good laugh I'll give it one more chance okay see if I could do it start to
0: finish okay okay <laughs> uh, my, fi- my final thoughts on this film is that uh, I, I just think it's amazing um it it, you know uh, what's thinking back to what i initially said uh at the beginning of this episode it wasn't even that i laughed uh when i first saw this movie when i was like nine uh it was more like oh this is this is a movie oh you just have to be a really good writer to to be a filmmaker of course i had no idea what went on during the making of this film yeah um but I, i i just thought oh this this counts this opens up a whole new world of possibilities. I don't have to make Star Wars to be a filmmaker. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and that was really inspiring for me. So this, this movie, you know, it may not be the greatest movie ever made, but it always has a special place in my heart.
1: Uh, well, I'm glad that you saw it so young and it inspired you because we all love Andrew's writing.
0: Uh, listeners, if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes, feel free to shoot us an email at independentcareerstudios at gmail.com. If you like this episode, please write a review and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or YouTube. We'd love to hear your feedback. Behind the Flicks was created by myself and Ariana. I researched, wrote, and edited this episode. My name is Andrew Gentile. This has been an Independent Career Studios production.